Welcome to another episode of the Black Esquire podcast. I am your host, Shelly Whitehead. I am here with my lovely co-host, Michelle Jenkins. Hey, everyone. Um, If you're not familiar with the Black Esquire podcast, this is a platform where we discuss issues uh, that affect young black professionals uh, that don't typically get talked about at least enough in uh, the media. Uh, Michelle, where can they find us? Well, hello, everyone. Um, You can find us on Facebook at the Black Esquire Podcast. We encourage you very much to join our closed group, The Fellowship, and join the conversation. Send us um, your questions, your concerns, your feedback. We want to know who's listening and why. Uh, In addition, you can also find us on Instagram at the handle BLK underscore E-S-Q that's black underscore Esquire and uh, you can also find us on YouTube SoundCloud and also we will also be on iTunes and Spotify yes Um, you can find us on all those platforms and Google Play please um, locate us on any of those you can just click in the search bar and type in Black Esquire podcast um, and you will find us very easily. Um, So yeah, that's where you can find us. Oh, and you can also find us um, Thursday, December 14th at Cambria Hotel at 6 p.m. We'll be celebrating the our third episode actually being published and my 30th birthday. So we are so excited about that. (laughs) Come out and celebrate with us. Have a drink, Cambria. I want to don't lie to me. So we have drink specials, right? We do have drink specials. (laughs) The folks at Cambria Hotel have been very, very generous. They are our hosts, and they are giving us a half off drink special. They extended their happy hour for an additional hour for us. So all uh, appetizers and drinks will be half off. So come out. Uh, have a cheap, good time with us, and uh, we hope to see you there. All right, so it's not just the two of us here today. We have a very special guest uh, that we were so blessed to have with us. Uh, I would like to introduce Rendell Solomon. Good afternoon. (laughs) Rendell is a principal with Muller & Monroe Asset Management a Chicago-based private equity firm that has advised on over a billion dollars of assets since inception. Prior to joining M-Squared, Rendell worked as an entrepreneur in the media entertainment industry in New York. He obtained his BS in electrical engineering from Tulane University and his MBA from Columbia Business School. In June 2016, he founded the nonprofit One Stock, One Future to expand access and opportunity to one million underserved youth throughout Chicago and across the country by turning them into public company shareholders. He does this by teaching basic classes about stock, then donating shares to each student. He has also been widely recognized um, across numerous publications. Uh, Some include the National Association of Investment Companies, Chicago Community Trust, the Chicago Urban League, Swiss Dreams, and the Network Journal, where he was recently given the 40 Under 40 Award. So, welcome, Rendell. Thank you for having me, Shelly. You know, my mom used to call me, my late mom used to call me special, but it wasn't a positive accolade. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you know. 
sometimes you need time away. Kind of special, and you know that <laughs> that's not meant to be a good thing. But exactly. we need it in a good way this time. I appreciate that. Appreciate <laughs> so, um, you know, in typical Black Esquire fashion, we like to say, "What are you sipping on?" So, uh, Rendell, what are you sipping on this afternoon? Well, I will say this: had it been twenty-four hours earlier, yeah. it might have been something different. But given that it's Sunday and I gotta right. go to work. On a Monday, I'm <laughs> sipping on some smart water. That's right. Right now, but I do like to mix apple juice and cranberry juice. So I have a little bit of that with me as well. Got it. So, and I, and I had asked you this when uh, I was asking you your preferences for your beverage for this afternoon, and and you, you were very specific about it not being cran apple. It yes, had to be cranberry and apple juice. I, I need to be able to control the combination. Got it. So. <laughs> So cran apple, I don't know what the percentages are. Is it 50, 50, 70, 30? I know, as, a, I know. As, a retired, <laughs> as a retired engineer, I'm pretty specific about it. Got it. Spoken so, like a true finance man. Come on now. <laughs> and Michelle, what are you sipping on? Well, I'm going to the Bahamas for my birthday. So okay. Okay, okay. I have this by BAI, antioxidant infusion. It is watermelon flavored. Don't judge me. <laughs> um, but um, I've been working on my fitness. Okay. Uh, okay. I almost have abs, guys. Okay. So you'll be ready for the Bahamas. That's this weekend. Coming up this weekend, right? So what you're yes. saying is the video podcast is coming soon. I'm here to talk about money. You're going to be talking about fitness. So I right. appreciate it. And it's going to start with that bye. I think it's, an a, accident. it's a holistic approach. Yeah. It's Get your funny. finances I, right. I actually have a story about that. Get your body that. right. Exactly. It's, it's all important. Good. It's all important. You got to be well-rounded. Exactly. Right. And I'm sipping on smart water as well. I am trying to hydrate myself from last night. I uh, had a, a little small turn up with my friends. We Shout had, out to them. <laughs> we had an annual Christmas party that we do every year, and uh, it, was, it was fantastic. I, I want to especially shout out the chef, Chef Asano, who cooked for us. We had fried chicken, shrimp and grits, jambalaya, red beans and rice. You all know I used to live in New Orleans, so that Clearly. was all very special to me. Yes. And then um, I also want to shout out some of the drinks we had. So I know since we do, this is a What You Sipping On segment. So if you have not had the Coconut Pineapple Margarita Jose Cuervo, please get that in your life. It's very <laughs> was it a blessing? It was a blessing. And, and they also make a grapefruit one too. So if you are into margaritas, ready-made drinks, get those too. Well, on very Thursday... Good. It'll be my birthday, so I will be sipping on dark liquor. Let's stick with oh, dark. more dark. Okay. Let's go with dark. Let's go with dark. Are you doing shots or is this a mixed drink? You know what? Let Depends me upgrade the days. dark. Let me be specific <laughs> about the dark. Let's do sangria. Let's do sangria. Okay, we can do my birthday. Good. Give me a red wine sangria with a good dark liquor. Do not have me on the plane with a headache on Friday. You okay? can't have that. Appreciate now, your actual birthday isn't Thursday. It's Wednesday. It is. It isn't. It's the 13th. It's the day before. Yeah. Yes. So, you know. But I actually have to work and be a real attorney on my birthday. So, that'll be interesting. Yes. So, we want to wish Michelle a very happy birthday, even though we're going to see her on the 14th. And you all will, too, because you guys going to come out. Right? Right. Okay. All right, Michelle, what are we talking about today? I know I'm all over the place. <laughs> Let's get on so topic. It's all right. It's all right. It's a safe situation. 
So today, our topic is, I got 99 problems, but my check ain't one. <laughs> For a lot of young professionals, um, they're receiving their first real salary check. Um, and that can be a brand new experience, a liberating experience, but it should also be one that we start to introduce a little bit of responsibility mm -hmm. within Some that, right? About it. Um, and in that, in that sort of spirit of assisting our listeners with their resolutions for the new year, which we know they're making, probably vision boarding as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> we have Mr. Rendell Solomon here, um, who's already been introduced, uh, needs no further introduction, so we're gonna roll right into it. <laughs> so, uh, so basically, as you heard me read Rendell's bio, he's obviously very well qualified to give some insight into what we should be doing with our money. Um, so my first question was, I'll get kind of easy into the question. So um, past, this past week I was watching a, a YouTube video and it was on what to do with a dollar. Mm -hmm. And basically, uh, and I'll just say the name first. So David, Imon David Imonitie was kind of breaking it down as to if you have a dollar, X amount should go to savings, X should be tied. You have to give some of yourself, invest. Uh, and then you, especially, you, you hear a lot of people have different uh, strategies as to what you should be investing in or saving and what percentage you should be doing when you have your take-home check. So, Rendell, do you have a certain philosophy as to what that percentage breakdown should be? Or do you even believe in that? No, I do believe in it. First of all, thank you for having me on the show. It's exciting. Thank you for reaching out. Um, uh, this is going to be a fun time talking with Black Esquire about one of my favorite topics, money. Uh, and so specifically to your question around how do you break down a budget? Because that's what you're getting. Right. I mean, budgeting is the very first step uh, of any financial exercise. It's your roadmap. If you're getting ready to take a trip to Las Vegas, the first thing you do is whip out Google Maps. You know, 15 years ago, you take out a physical map and figure out the best route. But or 10 years ago, MapQuest. Or 10 years ago, MapQuest. Those AAA maps Exactly. But any, any journey, any trip, starts with understanding exactly where you are first. And so, same thing with one's financial journey. The budget serves as that roadmap. It's a guide. And if you miss it by a couple of points, it's not the end of the world, but the point is it gives you a guide. And so the question you asked is around how do you break up that dollar? And so there are some sort of general rules around the industry. The one I'll talk about right now is let's call it 50-20-30. So 50-20-30. And so I'm not going to break it down into great detail the way some will. You can do it more in a more granular way when you look at your own budget and what's personal for you. But if you think about the 50, think of that as your fixed expenses of your take-home. That's the other thing I try to try to do with folks is talk about your money in terms of take-home because talking about gross pay mm -hmm. is ridiculous. Right, you know, you can't function your life based on gross pay. You don't buy clothes and gross, so you buy a whole outfit, but you really only get the pants because you, <laughs> you only get... 67%. You only get 67%. That looks really real for people. Can you no, imagine? It's real. So take home clothes is important. Underwear, <laughs> socks, shoes, right. shirt, 
pants, coat. Mm-hmm. So same thing with money. You have to think about money in terms of uh, take home. And I won't get into any of the tax issues of how to deal with taxes. That's a mm-hmm. whole other podcast in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you figure out your taxes, you bring home a dollar. Mm-hmm. The question is, what do you do with it? So 50, 20, 30, think of half of that dollar going towards fixed expenses, things mm-hmm. that you are buying every single month that don't change very much. Mm-hmm. Your rent or mortgage, your car note, your insurance payments, you might include subscriptions in there. We'll come back to that in a second. Some might, might want to put that in more of the variable expense category. Mm-hmm. But it's something that you're paying every month. Right. If you subscribe to it, so it's fixed mm-hmm. until you decide to move it around. It doesn't really change. Like iTunes, Spotify, gym membership. You're, pl- you're plugged yeah. in there. Consider those part of your fixed costs. Right. So half your money should go towards that uh, in, in general. It, this could go up or down by lots of percentage points, by the way. The 20%... Think of that as money. So 20 cents of that dollar is going towards um, areas that are improving your financial future. Mm-hmm. Debt pay down and then savings and investments. So we'll talk more about how to do those in a second. But think of the 20% as putting money away towards items that are benefiting your financial future. And the last but certainly not least, 30%, so 30 cents of that dollar going towards what we'll call flexible spending. The Vacation to the Bahamas <laughs> that we're doing for Michelle's birthday. Well, not we, but I Michelle, and Michelle, Michelle and her friends. I for $75, so and I kudos, think I'm all right. And kudos to Michelle <laughs> for only getting a round-trip ticket on Spirit with, no. The, with no seat, what? no seat belt. It was Frontier, thank you very much. For $75. <laughs> yeah. I am not mad at her, but either way, whether it's $25 or $75, mm-hmm. uh, that birthday trip we might call that a fixed expense. It happens every year, but for for, for now, really? let's call it a little flexible. Let's call that flexible because you could do nothing. Be flexible, so it's flexible. But right, she's right. budgeted for that. Right. She's not putting herself in debt to go on a seventy take a seventy five dollar flight. Right. <laughs> so those are her variable expenses. But going out to eat, party, that's all flexible. So that's a general breakdown: fifty, twenty, thirty. Gotcha. And of course, you can get more granular. Is networking flexible for you personally? Is like, networking but, flexible? I mean, like, there are expenses with networking. That's, like, oh, one of my gotcha. most irritating expenses. Because, you know, you're, like, networking. You're, like, hey, let's meet for coffee. Then you don't want to be a rude person. Dinner. Right. Lunch. Dinner. The freaking holiday mingle thing. Buying a toy for Jamal's uh, toy drive next week. You know? That's charitable. Like that. yeah, flexible. Char- charitable. The charity side will be flexible. as probably right. would be tithing as well. So mm-hmm. everybody has their own perspective around how much you do toward right. that. I don't have one. I don't have a perspective on that. I think you give whatever you feel most comfortable okay. for the gifts, giving. Anyway. But that would be part of the 30%. As it relates to the networking, mm-hmm. that can go a couple of different ways because that could legitimately be a business expense mm-hmm. as well. So whether you run a small business on your own or whether you're working at a firm, some of those things can be written off. So that's a, that's a different item. It can be written off? I'm so no, I can I, I can write off coffee when I when I. I am no I am no tax accountant <laughs> um, to the FCC right. or IRS. If you're listening, this is not advice. I'm offering some general guidance. If you are running, because it did say that I worked at, in, the, in the music business in New York, right. so I was an entrepreneur. I was an artist manager, and so I took everything I did mm-hmm. and counted it every so my cell phone bill or at least mm-hmm. portions of it. Even your rent for your house. 
So if you spend, if you're using 20%, the rule I looked up was the square footage of your home office divided by the square footage of your home, you could could deduct Mm -hmm. that much of your rent or mortgage. So yes, that coffee, if you're going for legitimate business purposes related to the Black Esquire podcast, Mm -hmm. which I'm assuming is an LLC now, or y'all just made that up. Yep, okay, let's get that done. If it's not done, we're going to get that to be an LLC, write it all off. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> he put us on blast. Full a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. That's okay. You, you, knew what you, were, you knew what you was getting yourself into, though. <laughs> Let's talk about the, the 20%, the, the 20% that's used to improve financial future. Because I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of us, I'll, I'll say us, uh, young professionals, old professionals, people in general, mm-hmm. we that's just cool. take the 100%. Old, old, we, old, we go on. Where, where, where's that start? Where does start? Where does old start? Yeah, where does old professional start? <laughs> You're as young as you feel. Do, 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 do. Right. Right. Go ahead, show. So, so, so typically we take 100%. We'll do some tour expenses. Yep. And then we'll do flexible. But we, we forget about that in, that 20% to actually improve our financial future. Man. So what does that 20% look like? Gotcha. So feel free to cut me off because I can talk about this one probably for the rest of the the show here. Uh, But in short, one of the areas I actually wanted to start with in trying to answer that question, I was going to do a radio show a while back that didn't come to fruition. It was going to be about exactly this topic. It was going to be on the air every couple of weeks giving sort of one tip for that um, two-week period around some topic. And when I sat down to record the first episode, I asked myself, What's the first thing I want to address as we think about this trip to Vegas? If you think of getting to Vegas as being in a the most solid financial position you can be in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, should I talk about budgeting, credit, saving, investing, debt? Which one is the most important? What's the first step? And I realized none of them should be my first topic. Because something else you're going to ask, because I am you know, omniscient, and I knew Shelly was going to ask this later on. <laughs> was around, particularly in the African-American community, this aversion towards investing. And you know, I've thought about this in sort of three distinct aspects that have created challenges over the years when it comes to our community investing monies or being able to manage money in general. Fear, exposure, and accessibility. Let's take those one by one. Fear just happened over generations. There is a fear, particularly of external groups, who we now have to put our money with to say, hey, we leave this here and hopefully there's more of it when I come back for it. There's a trust factor there mm-hmm. that our country has had a little bit of a checkered history mm-hmm. when it comes to African Americans who will not get off on that whole topic today. <laughs> Save that for the next podcast. Yeah. But let's just say it's not been the easiest run for us right. here. Mm-hmm. And that thinking, that experience has carried over into our relationship with money and the banking and financial system as we see it. That's a big problem, fear. Um, Exposure. No one ever told us. I'm first-generation college. What about you guys? No, my parents went to college. So you're second, Michelle? I'm first-generation. I'm just first-generation, absolutely everything. Exactly. (laughs) But even with that, you know, my parents, they they didn't invest either because their parents did. Because their parents didn't, right? And so if if they're... my family did invest. We um, have an LLC. We own lots of property. Lovely. Management is a different, it's a whole different topic. It's, an, it's another topic, but, right? but you've seen some of it. And so I would say right. you're an anomaly. Yeah. Whereas most, exactly. most families mm-hmm. 
were focused, if you look, if you understand uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, they were focused on food, shelter, and clothing. Right. Mm-hmm. And then education and health mm-hmm. were sort of fourth and fifth. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, uh, my late mom and my dad and my grandma, they were really focused on that four. So we always had food, shelter, clothing. I thought I was poor until I learned what poor really was. And then I realized that we just weren't well off. We were solidly upper, lower, somewhere. I don't know where the designations are, but we always had food, shelter, clothing. So exposure, no one's talking about money in the way that we're talking about in this conversation in those households, in most of the low-income households. And it's not just African-Americans. It's all across the country with lots of groups. So that's two. Three, accessibility. Even if you can get past the fear, and you've seen it to Michelle's point about being able to manage it, so you've gotten past the fear about how to manage money. You have been exposed to it. Now, where do you go to actually do it? There's no Fidelities and Charles Schwab's and Edward Jones in the hood. No. I mean, my, my block in K-Town on the west side of Chicago, I'd have to walk for miles before I found an investment institution. Right. A couple of banks, but mostly payday lenders and check cashing places. Right. Yes. We'll, we'll say that for Tons a Tons of check cashing places. <laughs> and, they're, and, they're, and they're there for a reason. Yeah. We call them predatory. We call them evil. Mm-hmm. What's sad is, as a business person and as a person who invests in businesses because businesses are supposed to make money, I like businesses that make money. Mm-hmm. Sadly, petty lenders and check cashers make a lot of money. Why? They strategically position themselves in very low-income communities mm-hmm. because that is their target market. Right. Mm-hmm. That's their target market. So, now back to the question. So, those are the three big issues. Fear, exposure, and accessibility. How do we then get to the point where we are doing more saving and doing more investing and the only way to do it is just to continue to to have podcasts just like this the more people hear it the more people see it happening i think they'll become more apt to do it i have a personal mission of making money more social mm-hmm. so we joked earlier about your buy drinks it's called buy yeah buy Cooler watermelon uh-huh. with five something in it, five different uh, juices and flavors. But we joked about you getting on your fitness plan, mm-hmm. and you seem to be comfortable saying that. And what you're seeing online right now is a lot of communal discussions around fitness. People are talking more openly about diets and fitness and working yes, out. They're forming groups. It's in right. Quick antidote. I'm at a bar, uh, happy hour, going away for a friend. There was a gentleman and a woman there that engaged in a conversation. They both had Fitbits on, and they ended up in a 20-minute conversation. I'm listening to this about their workout routine. Oh, wow. How much do you run? When do you run? Mm -hmm. Are you working out? What are you eating? Mm -hmm. We do not do that with money. Money is still taboo. We don't tell people how much we make. And I'm not suggesting everybody walk around with their salary on their foreheads. Right, right. But there's this aversion to even discussing money. It's this thing that you do in the closet by yourself. Right. With your advisor, maybe mm-hmm. if you decide to get an advisor, but for the most part, people are either ashamed of their money and maybe they're proud of their money, but they don't want to sort of feel like they're putting it on blast when they yeah. talk about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to feel boastful yeah. about it. Even in dating, I got it's somebody told me I was bougie because I said I I want to know a guy's credit score before I marry him, and they were like really upset with me, like Michelle, that is shallow. That is well, not shallow. That's a <laughs> And I would knock you for wanting to know it while you're dating. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, and yeah. it's, it's that type of 
feedback that you got, Michelle, that makes you now. So now you're going to think twice. Maybe I can tell by your personality. You probably don't care. So said that. But there are some people in that position that will go, oh, man, Shelly don't like me talking about this credit score stuff. So let me not bring it up. Mm-hmm. Now she's shut you down inadvertently. She doesn't even realize what she did, but she's now shut you. I'm not picking on you, Shelly, because mm-hmm. you're not the one who said it. But this person has now shut you down from talking about something that could be critical for your future and your family's future. Mm-hmm. Credit, money, as much as we maybe don't want to believe it, it makes things move. It does. It makes things move uh, from social justice to housing to the criminal justice system, there's money tied up in all of that. Yeah. And so the more knowledgeable you are in this area, the better you manage it, the better suited you will be to provide for yourself and for your family. So I don't think we got directly to so to, to make it communal. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. So I think there's the key is having these types of discussions mm-hmm. and then getting past the fear and making it communal, being willing to talk to people about it. So how do you pick a financial advisor? Great question. So there's a trust factor there. For those who don't know, a financial advisor is someone who sort of guides you along your financial journey. When does that start? Like, what journey? I think we're talking about primarily millennials and thinking about perhaps those who are getting their first job or like they're just coming out of grad school. That's my understanding of your your market, and that's Mm -hmm. a critical time to do it. We'll talk about my nonprofit where I'm working with kids, which is where you really need to start these conversations, but they aren't making any money. So okay. they have no income other right. than say their allowance. But you know, when you get that first real job, that's when it gets real. Mm-hmm. You're perhaps paying rent on your own for the first time or mortgage on your own for right. the first time. And I so, wish it had been my first time. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us were forced to grow up a little faster than others, which means we either learned it or made our mistakes much earlier. But for some, it really is that critical time of getting that first job. And a lot of the mistakes that are going to be made between the ages of 21 and 30 can have lasting effects on that individual, positive and negative. So choosing an advisor, um, it's funny, I've had debates with people around would you take someone who's, say, severely out of shape, and could they be your fitness trainer? I said, absolutely not. Why would I let someone train me who they can't even take care of themselves? Mm-hmm. And I would actually argue very differently, which is my personal theory. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who may be out of shape, their issue may not be the knowledge associated with how you should eat and how you should work out. What's their issue? Their issue is the motivation to do it. Or they discipline. Need, or discipline. They need a different support. Mm-hmm. So I'm not convinced that someone who's out of shape can't necessarily be perhaps motivation for you. They may know every single step that it takes to be in the best shape possible. But for some reason, they don't have the inspiration to do it now. Does that mean they can't give you inspiration? I don't know. A little tricky. So when you're choosing an advisor, I think that I don't know that there's a specific institution. I'm not going to advocate. If that's a word, I'm saying that properly. Advocate. Can you use that as a word? Lawyers in the room, please help me out. Yeah, I'm I don't know words. So, yeah, I'm not going to advocate for a specific organization or entity. What I might say is there are some popular brands out there, which I will say, you know, places like a Fidelity, they're known, it's a popular brand, it's a well known, trusted brand in general. Just literally walk into their office and say, hi, I'm thinking about investing some money. Who can I talk to? Mm-hmm. 
and just have a conversation. With Do you them. know any black brands or black financial? I know some, I know some I know know individuals who work at maybe like a Northwestern Mutual or oh, so a so so do you recommend going to some of those big box investment firms, the Mass Mutuals, Northwestern Mutuals, or do you recommend they call going? Us. Oh yeah. <laughs> or do you recommend uh, maybe someone more entrepreneurial? Or- I'm not recommending you sign up with anyone in particular as an advisor. What I'm recommending is that you talk to someone, and I can't be more sincere about yeah. that. So it doesn't matter, in my opinion, where you start. What's most important is that you actually start. So whether you want to find one person through your network because your friend is using them, and that goes back to my communal conversations, asking friends, who do you use? And then just go talk to that person. Or if you don't have a friend that is doing anything positive with their money, step one, get some new friends. Step two, walk into one of the big box places. So then what that will do is you can at least see what the conversation feels like. And do that a few times. And I think at the end of the day, I don't think it's much different than choosing a friend or choosing any other service provider. So whether you're picking someone to work on your car or paint your house, you're looking for someone to provide you a service. And you want to be comfortable with that service and someone you believe is adding value to your life. And so there has to be a trust factor there because you're going to open up about a lot of things. You're going to open up your entire financial box for them. And if you lie about it, just like choosing your doctor, then they're not going to be able to do their job properly. So if you don't tell them you got that $40,000 credit card debt, then how can they help you on that journey to Vegas? Because you, that debt's dragging you down and they don't even know it. Let's talk a little bit about investing. Now, I know you can't give investment advice, mm-hmm. but uh, you know a lot of times we're talking about our first real job. And so... Typically, our employer will probably have us do a 401k. And outside of that, that's <laughs> pretty much our realm of investing. What do you recommend we do outside of that? So, I feel like every question I'm pushing back on because they're kind of leading, but I don't know, I don't necessarily like where it's going. So, <laughs> so I'm going to lead us. We back. are lawyers. I like it. I like it. I'm learning how to deal with lawyers quite a bit. We, we work with them a lot in private equity. I bet. So, I don't know I'm, if I like this comment. No, no. They couldn't hear that because I was whispering. But let me comment on this. Uh, something is the way you said the 401k piece that I think I want to jump in on. You, okay. the way you said, that's all we're doing. Yeah, we're just doing that. What else can we do? Mm-hmm. And what that reminds me of is I've asked someone recently, it's true stories, grown person. I asked if they had any investments. They were investing in the stock market. They said, no. I said, I only have my 401k. I go, you do realize that a 401k is not a security. It's just the way monies are set aside at an employer that's being invested in the market. So they have a 401k, but they don't know what that means to have a 401k. So I don't gloss over 401k so quickly and then start jumping into other assets. I'm, I'm going to answer your question. I promise I'm going to answer your question about things they might consider. Mm-hmm. But there's a foundational component to investing, particularly if you are an employer that has a 401k, that if you haven't done what I'm about to tell you, don't start thinking about other stuff. Okay. My, my opinion, 
but get this part done, right. then you can start worrying about what you might call maybe sexier investments mm-hmm. and diversifying your portfolio, which I do believe in. But the stock market, in general, has been one of the high-performing investments out there over the long term. Right. Any year, it can go up and down. But there has not been a single 30-year period where the stock market has lost money. Doesn't mean that it's never going to happen, but there's not been a 30-year period. There's really only been one, maybe two, 10-year periods where it happened. We just lived through one during the Great Recession. So from 2000 to 2010, the markets lost money. And that's unfortunate if you were only in the market that 10 years. Uh, And then the Great Depression, I believe there was a 10-year period there where it may have lost money. So when it comes to 401k, for those who don't know, 401k is an employer-sponsored uh, pre-tax retirement plan where you can put away up to a certain put away a certain amount of money, and it is not taxed until you go pull it out later on. Obviously, talk to your tax accountants and talk to your company to get the specifics about how it works at your organization. A lot of companies will offer what's called a match, which means that for every dollar you decide to put away of your pre-tax earnings they will match that dollar. You put a dollar away, it's $2. You put $2 away, that's $4. Simple math right there. And that's literally free money. Now, a lot of them will have different rules. They will match only up to, say, 6% of your money. So once you get past 6% of your money being put away, they don't match anymore. But that's still a free 6%. To put that in perspective, if you're making $100,000 a year, let's just use nice hundreds or nice round numbers. Right. And let's say you're putting away exactly 6%. That's $6,000 you're putting away pre-tax. That's another $6,000 that's going to go into your account. They're doubling your money. So to not do that would be akin to me pulling $1,000 out of my pocket right now, showing it to Michelle and saying, Michelle, do you want this? And she says, no. Would you say no, Michelle? No, absolutely not. Would you say no to that, Shelly? Absolutely not. That's what, that's what it's like when you don't put away. So for every single person listening, before I say anything about any other type of investment, go to your employer tomorrow, Monday at 9.01 a.m., 8.30 if you really want to be aggressive. <laughs> and double check if your company has a match for their 401k program. I don't have the statistic in front of me, but there are literally hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of matching being left on the table. Why is that? Why do you think that is? For everything that we're talking about. Lack of knowledge. Ignorance. And I know all the time ignorance is used as a bad word. Ignorance is not being stupid. Mm -hmm. I'm ignorant of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But the key is you have to talk about it. You have to go out and try to learn it. And again, listening to a podcast like Black Esquire is, is where you get that. So again, I cannot say this enough. If you are working for an employer with a 401k and they have a matching program, if you remember nothing else from this podcast, please, please, I don't care what you think it's going to do to your finances of being able to pay some of that 50 and that 30 we talked about earlier. But you have to, if you care about your financial future, put away enough to take advantage of the full match from that company. And that, that means you've got to lower your 50 or lower your 30, mm-hmm. one less gift for little Johnny, mm-hmm. you know, um, one less time going out. That, that, this wasn't in my notes, but I feel like that's... Are there private organizations that do that too? They do. So 
workers. Uh, <laughs> Governors have different programs in terms of defined benefit plans. So that's, that's a little bit different. So a lot of government agencies have programs. Uh, that's actually a lot of my clients from the private equity side are government entities. And so they have what's called a defined benefit plan where they get a paycheck when they retire just from working at the system. Oh, you're saying so... It's not I work a 401k. For government. Understood. So can you tell me my which group? Pension, huh? Can you tell me which arm of the government? Is that is that okay? Yeah, I work for the Illinois Torture Commission. So torture. It's torture. Okay. Just wanna make sure I understood that right. Oh Mary Lee Council. Sure. Um so so my pension mm-hmm. is not the same as the 401k. It's different. Because it's, it's not you putting away money into your specific account. Okay, we'll check. Yeah, your your entity is saying just for working here a certain number of years, you're gonna get a paycheck. Like Social Security. Right. That's how your pension works. If it's there when you when you retire, that's a whole nother conversation. But I do wanna I do wanna make sure I'm answering the what else can we do? So I think we're clear on 401k. Yeah, right? I, I do want you to answer that question, but when you were talking, it made me think of something else, and I'm trying to figure out if I want to interject right Interject, now. please. Okay, so... If I don't want to answer it, I'll just go back to <laughs> what else we can do. You got it. So I, I was thinking of when you said the three reasons that uh, we hesitate to invest, I thought of a fourth one when you were talking. Um the lack of immediate gratification. Mm, good one. Impatience. It's like you're impatient. So I can't see the return right, right. now. I'm putting this the Jay-Z concert, though. Yeah, that Jay-Z you concert. That's, that. that's, that's tangible. That's you something can see I can that. go to. I can plan for it. I'm not trying to reintroduce myself. I'm getting a lot of shade. It's I'm my birthday party. I was there, too. I was there, too. I can't. Well, yeah, it's like we, we want to use the money for things we can see and do right now. So, I'm going to force you and me to come back to what else can people do. Okay. Okay. But, I do want to answer that question with a little story. I was doing some work at the Urban League, working Shout with my kids. Shout out to the Urban League, doing amazing work around workforce development, uh, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship. I'm actually judging a pitch competition this Thursday. I mean, this Wednesday. Uh, on your birthday. Hey. So, so I'll make sure to send you guys the notes for that and you can shoot it out to your to your to your group. I think it may be open to the public, but I'll find out from my, my guy who's organizing it, Jason William Johnson. So I'm working with a group of young kids in an investment program at the Urban League, and you think we as adults want instant gratification. Kids are worse. Right. They can't even imagine being 25, let alone being 65. Mm-hmm. So I did this little exercise in the class that actually works well with adults also that I'll do with you guys a little bit. And so I asked this 16-year-old young lady, we were talking about why it's important to start saving right now at age 16 years old for something that's, you know, let's just use 65 since that's sort of the the retirement age uh, that we think of. She's like, but I got to go to prom. I don't want to go to prom. I mean, I need a dress for prom. So anyway... She, I told her to close her eyes and think about her 65-year-old self. And another guy in the class, I began role-playing with by accident. And I asked him a question. I said, turn around, look, your 65-year-old self is right back there. She looks back there, and he goes, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I, go, I go, how you doing, 65-year-old self? What, uh, how's things going in the future? Uh, it's not too great. I said, what's going on? I mean, you, you have a nice place to live still, don't you? Well, you know, I got a little behind. 
behind on my payments and now they come and talking about taking my house. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. Well, at least your health is good. I mean, you look good back there. Everything okay with your health? Well, <laughs> my knee hurt, my back hurt. I can't afford my medication. Oh, that's not good. But you got grandkids, though, and your grandkids are happy and they're playing and the holidays are coming up. Well, I couldn't get them any Christmas presents because I don't have any money because I wasn't saving earlier. And I'm not saying that this young lady turned it around 100% at that point, but when you think about instant gratification, you do have to put it in context that 65 is not far away. I don't care how old you are. For whatever reason, a lot of life in between. But you, you do need to plan right now. Time, consistency, and then we'll get to diversification are the three keys to investing. Start early, do it regularly, and invest in a broad array of assets. So that's my, that's my discussion. I love it. Um, so, so let's, because we're getting close running out of time, so I want to make sure we take it. Let me just mean we got, this is part one of three then, is what you're telling me. You have, you have, you have, you have me back in January to revisit it. Um, so uh, the initial question before we went off that was what would we invest in outside what else do you do so in your 401k you're typically looking at uh, stock in public companies things like Apple, Nike, Disney um, and you're usually oftentimes doing it in what's called a mutual fund which is a big basket of investments and you let it sit there and, and you hope that it grows 7 to 9% every year as long as you have it yeah right your hands boom other things you can do. Uh, obviously, investing in yourself is key. So if you want to start a business, that is something. So entrepreneurship can be thought of as part of your investment strategy. A business is an asset, right? Because that's what we're talking about, building up your assets. You can do real estate, which has been one of the most prominent areas of investment, particularly in the community that we're addressing. That is where where our parents and grandparents figured it out. Now, unfortunately, if you have all your assets only in that, that's going to be challenging as well. So I'm not saying do real estate or don't do real estate, but I'm saying the third thing I said earlier, you have to be diversified. That is the only way to really address the risks associated with any type of investments. So making sure, and this is part of the conversation with a financial advisor, once you find one, they can guide you based on your risk tolerance, your age, and your financial goals, how you should allocate and break out your investments, how much in stock, how much in debt-related products, how much in real estate, um, how much investing in, say, a private business, how much in entrepreneurship or in your own business. So, okay. so those are the ones I jump out at me. And that's something your financial advisor would help you. Yes, they would. If you have a good one. They give you some guidance on that. Yeah. Okay. So, we would love to dive into more. Okay. Um, talk about these apps we talk about. Yeah. One stop. We need to talk about one stop. Um, okay, so we've... Uh, I guess we can quickly hit on this. Um, there are a couple apps that I've heard of. So there's Acorn. Um, there is... Uh, I went to the... Idea Chicago ideas read a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they did this Elvis, this Elvis.com. They have like a app or whatever. Um, are there any apps that are sort of a, a, a baby step that are yeah. 
videotape that you're familiar with? Or reading books. Or reading books. Right. books. And that's so the, I can write those in a uh, description. And the app speaks, uh, whether it's books or apps, that speaks to the accessibility piece. Like, how do you bring these conversations home? So you mentioned a couple already. I'll just rattle off some. Uh, stash. Oh. Is that an app? app? Yeah, these are apps. Let me give you apps first. And you can look them up. I won't bore you with all the details of each, but I think these are ones that you can look up sort of get started. So Stash. I'll put the link in the description. Perfect. Learn Best. Not to be confused with LFS, but Learn Best. Mm-hmm. Betterment. B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T. Uh, Stockpile. That's the site that I use to donate shares to kids through my nonprofit One Stock, One Future. And so every child that goes through the program, I send $20 worth of whatever stock that class chooses. That's Stockpile. They get a gift certificate through there. There's an app called Learn, which I like, L-E-A-R-N. Short videos and discussions just about what stocks are. And then probably my favorite is one where I am serving in an advisory capacity called Rapunzel, R-A-P-U-N-Z-L. In the App Store right now, it is a simulated stock investing app. So if you know nothing about it, and maybe either you don't feel like you have the money to play with right now, you can jump in Rapunzel as we speak and create a simulated portfolio of some of your favorite stocks just to see how it would perform if you were putting real money in the market. So utilizing real data mm-hmm. to show you how your portfolio will perform. And it has a social media component. So I can be like, oh, Michelle, you just bought 20 shares of Apple. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And so we can, I can like that. I can like the fact that you bought some stock. I can, not, I can comment. Mm-hmm. And we can discuss why you thought that made sense to do so it creates this community okay. around investing so check that out and then it gives Please. people more comfort in what they're doing before they do it for real the okay. name if you remember the Rapunzel story she puts the hair down right. and night mm-hmm. comes in the castle that sort of was the thought process here is that because investing has been inaccessible to so many people Rapunzel is literally giving access to people who otherwise never would have thought about nice. investing now, question. So, the when you say the social, I'm, I'm stuck on Rapunzel. So, when you say that the social media component, is this anyone who's on the app can talk to each other, or you being the financial guru, you're talking to me as the consumer? Good question. No, it's the people, it's the consumers, it's the people talking to each other, and the app is still evolving. Uh, we're going to be creating sort of workspaces so you could have, say, a, a, a club that you're a part of, so whether it's a sorority fraternity, and you guys could have your own little room and have a little competition. Oh. Uh, can yeah, I don't see why not. It's coming. So you have a black, you have a black Esquire Rapunzel room. You tell all your listeners to come in, open accounts, and you guys just do all your trading and see what's going on and communicate with each other. It's like golf. You're really just competing with yourself. The goal is to build the best portfolio you can. I play golf. I hear Somebody you. Wins. Somebody does have to win. And it's usually me. simplify 
yeah, a lot of these topics, a lot of so-called experts are going to throw a lot of technical and fancy terms at you. I'm not that guy. The best Spanish lesson I ever had was sitting next to a seven-year-old on the way back from Europe because he spoke at my level. Yeah. Mm. So I know, I know uh, so originally I poured uh, Robert Kiyosaki's yes. author. Um, who's the author of Four Laws? Don't recall. Don't, don't recall the name. You can Google. We can Google oh, that. We can Google. And we'll have that in the description box. Um... Um, any other other than books, apps, other resources um, we can be doing to empower I'm, ourselves for our I'm going to stop there only because as I have embarked on this mission of helping people think more well, about their money, think more about their money and finances, what I realize is that there's tons of tools that are out there and throwing a bunch of tools at people don't make them use it. So you can have 39 different books and 47 different apps at the Black Esquire website. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that's the sort of the best approach. I think you focus in on a couple of things because every book that's written, and I don't want to knock any writers out there, there's not a whole lot of new stuff being said. Mm -hmm. The financial markets are the financial markets. They are what they are. They work the way they work, and they've been doing that for hundreds of years. We just haven't been participating in it. So the issue is not the what. The issue is the how, sort of the yes. motivation to go do it. And that's sort of what I focus on. I'm here to inspire people, right? All this inf- the information is out there. Yeah. So tell us about the future. Yes. Uh, how much time do I have left? Yay. So, no, it's a very quick story. I started One Stock, One Future in June of 2016 with a very simple mission to turn one million youth into public company shareholders. It is the culmination of everything that you've heard in my personal experience growing up on the west side of Chicago, um, not doing well with money when I got to college, picking up more bad financial habits in grad school. In between there, my first job at P&G, where I was not investing and saving as much as I should have been. And then the 10 years back here in Chicago of having to revamp my own credit and my financial picture, which looks like light years, even though that's a distance. Distance, not time, beyond where I was. And I attribute that to just really taking a step back and saying, what can I do to improve my financial situation? And so I got some shares for my niece, and the rest is history. She was enamored by these stocks, and I took her into each store. I bought her Nike, Apple, and Disney, took her into each store, and I said, Cadence, you own this store now. The whole place is yours. She goes, Cool, do I get free stuff now? I said, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't quite work that way, Cadence. But then she said, do I make money when people buy stuff? And I was like, you kind of do. Let me show you how that works. She asked for more stock. I got her some Starbucks. She walked to a Starbucks with her mother, my sister, and said, Mommy, you know I own this place a little bit. And that's really when the light bulb went off. The mission of One Stock on the Future is not about creating stock traders. It's not even about creating people who are quote-unquote experts with money. It's about providing a child with a piece of something that they can call their own and for them to develop the belief that they have a future, the belief that they can do whatever they want to do. And I believe that that's what's lost on a lot of kids today. So once I give this share of stock, think of that as a seed that's being planted. My hope is that that seed is cultivated by the village that's around them, a combination of parents, teachers, mentors, and others. And the four key areas that my organization and my board are going to be focused on impacting behavior, education, career prospects, and relationship with money. 
so that the conversation that we just had for the past hour, my hope is that this conversation will always be important, but that we won't be in such a dire situation years from now, is that these young people will be well ahead of the curve and talking about much more complicated topics around money as opposed to not going to the Bahamas. <laughs> I just couldn't find something else to pick on. I just thought it was But no, seriously, that's that's one stop on future. So I do basic workshops partnering with nonprofits and schools. You can check out onestoponfuture.org for more information. And all of my social media handles on um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are one stop, one future with the numbers one in there. So the number one stop, the number one future. And I look forward to hearing from everybody who wants to learn more how we can partner. How do you get kids stock? How do you do it in your own family? I can come to your school. I'll come to your church. Um, I work with government agencies. So think about the juvenile detention center. So it's not just kids. I want to go there and give those kids stock. I'm doing one with an organization called Child Serve this coming Saturday that works with a lot of foster kids and homeless youth. So there are a lot of underserved youth out there. It's not a full African-American program, but given the market that I'm targeting, there's going to be quite a few of those there, but there are communities all over this country that are struggling. And my goal is to turn a million of those kids into public company shareholders. That's wonderful. I love that. I love that. So, uh, question for you. So, so when, they, when they're buying their stock, are we, I guess I don't want to assume, but are we talking, uh, like, kids can just use, like, their allowance instead of buying a new toy they can buy stock? Is that what type of money we're talking about? From the organization or what they can do on their own. Well, with the organization? Well, I give $20 worth. Oh, yeah, so yeah. That, that's how it starts. Yeah, yeah. So it could give them $20, and with the site stockpile that I use, they allow you to buy gift certificates so the kids can buy fractional shares. One of my biggest challenges when I was researching getting this organization started is, well, whoever want to get them some of the uh, pricier stocks. A lot of cool stocks are pretty expensive, like Google, for example, or Apple. I was like, ooh, I'm not giving a kid a share of Apple. That's a little pricey. But if I could give them a piece of it, my thought is that it served the same purpose. So whether they have one-tenth of Apple or they have a whole share, the nine or ten-year-old, it's fine, never mind. They own Apple. Right. Uh, I could show you a text message from Kate to ask her what stock she wanted next. She said Microsoft. And I told her to tell me why. She says, well... I know they're doing something with Mojang and Mojang, the people that make Minecraft, and I know Microsoft bought them. Who's, who's having that kind of conversation with a nine-year-old on a Sunday right. morning? So I found, I didn't know Microsoft had bought this company, Mojang. Right. Okay. So I Googled it. Microsoft awesome. bought Mojang for $2.5 billion with a B. Mm -hmm. My niece recognized that Mojang, who makes Minecraft, she plays Minecraft all the time. Okay. And so she loved the game. So I literally sent her $50 of Microsoft, Microsoft stock that day. She runs in the room with my sister, who's now nursing my little nephew, Kade, who's about to become probably the youngest shareholder out there at just three months old. Cadence mm -hmm. goes, Mommy, Mommy, Uncle Ren bought me Microsoft. I own Minecraft now. <laughs> Ownership like that. Yeah, that right. is that's right. fantastic. Feeling of ownership it's is powerful. such a big deal. And it doesn't require an MBA or intense studies of finance mm -hmm. to understand what it means to own something. Mm -hmm. You know, we got to keep the people wanting more. So I hate to, I hate to sort of 
clothes off and um, I know people probably think like, why is Michelle trying to end things? Because I am the producer and I have to do this under an hour. So <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you will that you enjoyed episode three. Thank you, Riddell, for coming. Yeah, you are awesome. Thank you so much. Happy to be here anytime. And I plan to be there at the party. Appreciate it. So um, all right guys, thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.